I just want to speak about the power of forgiveness connected to this week's parasha. So I'm going to be speaking about that and connecting it to some stories and maybe some things you already know. Um, but it should be something that you could take with you. So forgiveness is a very important thing. I want to start with a story I'm sure you all know of uh, Henny Machlis. You've heard of a book, of The Chicken Soup. So I actually, uh, I've actually been to, I used to go to a house a lot when I was in Yeshiva in Israel. We, I was in the Mir, and I used to go there a lot to her house, and I was very inspired. One of the reasons why we uh, have learned from her to do the same thing, and we open our house as well. Before COVID, our house had every Shabbat without fail. Maury's, we do events as well, and you know, that's 100. So it's, uh, uh, right now, obviously, it's different. We're giving out food for young professionals that need it. Um, but it's not the same. But we've learned a lot from this lady, Hani Machlis, especially me, going to Yeshiva. And I, learned, I saw her house and what chesed she was doing. It really inspired me. So one of the well-known stories about her is that she, um, she was one Shabbat serving food. And all of a sudden, some, uh, you know, they have gefilte fish because that's what Ashkenazim eat. So uh, they were serving a filter fish, and all of a sudden, someone screams, this is fish, this is fish, stands up, literally, packed out house, you know, tiny, squashed, everyone's one on top of each other. I don't know if you've ever been uh, back in the day, but when you sit, you're not out for a few hours, that's it, you're stuck in your place, because it's so squashed, they'd pass Natilat Yadai in bowls of water, you're not getting up from your place till the end of the meal, and it could take a long time. So... All of a sudden, someone says, this is fish. What kind of fish is this? Right? A lot of people say that silently, but not in loud. This I had to say it loud. <laughs> what kind of fish is this? This is, what is this? This thing with the carrots on top of it. So, um, uh, so he started screaming. And um, who made this fish? Who made this fish? So Henny Machlis comes out from the kitchen. She's busy serving. And she says, I did. And then she says to him, um, but if you make fish, I would love to learn from you. So maybe you can come next week and teach me how you make your fish. What a response in front of everybody. It doesn't come, you don't just get that like that. That takes work to be able to, in front of such a big crowd, not only to forgive, it, probably she didn't even need to forgive, but to be able to twist the whole situation the other way around. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's greatness. So that's what Henny Machlis did. And you know what happened? The next week he came before Shabbat. She ordered salmon and certain types of fish that he wanted. And he made his fish. Um, and they served it. They had her fish that she likes. She likes her filter fish. They served hers. And this fish that this man felt was very important that they should have. So he, they served both. And when they served both, uh, all of a sudden again, Shabbat comes Friday night serving both. He stands up. He says, look, this is real fish. This is the real fish that everyone should And she sits there and she's like, yes, yes, he was with me cooking. We had a great time. And she just, it's just amazing, right? What would anyone else do? If my house, in front of my guests, that's what she did, right? That's, that's what he did? How dare he? But she did the exact opposite. So that's the koach of forgiveness. I want to tell you about the uh, American Psychological Association, they, they understand that forgiveness, I'll read it out like this, forgiveness is the release of resentment or anger. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. 
one doesn't have to t return to the same relationship with that person or accept that per same harmful behaviors from an offender. Forgiveness is vitally important for the mental health of those who have been victimized. So there's two aspects of forgiveness. This is how the uh, American Psychological Association uh, uh, um, define it. And that is one, you do not have to return to the same relationship. You're just doing it to release the anger from in, right? You're releasing the inner pain and the inner anger. And that's true. In a place where there's an abusive relationship, you are not required to uh, uh, forgive that person. Let me just show you the Rambam. The Rambam, and according to Jewish halakha, you are not required to forgive if someone doesn't ask you to forgive. Like with Yosef. What happened with Yosef? He waited till his brothers were in the same situation as him with Binyamin, where they come from the same mother, same exact situation. He's about to be taken away from you. Now let's see how you react. Are you the same way as you were? Yosef was testing his brothers to see if they did Teshuvah, so that he can also go through a full forgiveness for his brothers. His brothers threw him in a pit, a pit which had no water, but it had snakes and scorpions. They were going to kill him. And they were trying to kill him, but he didn't succeed. Can you imagine what feelings he had sitting in that prison 10 years? We're not talking about a prison of today. We're talking about a prison of then where you don't know when it's going to end. Hours, no phone, no nothing to deal with. Just to think, my brothers threw me in the prison. My brothers threw me in the pit. Can you imagine how many times he had to think that in his mind? And yet, Yosef forgave them all. I'm going to tell you the language of Yosef HaTzadik, of how he responded it's an unbelievable language, but that's forgiveness. So what the American Psychological Association understands is that forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. It's giving over the hate and the pain. So just quickly before I go on to more stories, the Rambam says like this, Adam If somebody hurts you, this is in Chot Shuvah, if somebody hurts you, he says, then that person needs to ask you forgiveness. How many times? Three. Up to three times. That's how my mom says. And only after that, uh, then the person that's asking is, is, is patul. He's exempt. He doesn't need to ask anymore. Now, Rambam says, the person that's being asked, when someone comes up to you and says, please forgive me three times, after you don't forgive him, after three times, you're still not forgiving him. You're a sinner. That's a bad thing. Already he's asked you three times for forgiveness and you're not forgiving. It's a bad thing. Okay. But, but Rambam also says, so by the way, from there we see what? That even if somebody hurts me, I'm not required to forgive him. I'm not required to forgive him if he doesn't ask. Only if he's asked me, am I required? Right? That's what you see. Also, again, the Rambam also says in another place, in Inchot De'ot, when a person hurts your feelings, you have to tell him off. You can't just leave it and say, Ugh, he was so rude, he embarrassed me in public and walk away. You should actually tell him off. How do we know? Because it says in the Torah, you have a mitzvah to rebuke. So if somebody hurts your feelings, you've got to say something back. Okay? But... Um, you can forgive him. He says, if somebody forgives, this is exactly the point. If you forgive your friend who hurt you without him asking you, that's already a chassid. That's a very special person. You're a chassid, a pious person. Why are you so special if you forgive and you're not offended? Why is it so special? You want to know? Because it means you're like Hashem. You're now like God. Do you want to know why? 
תהיו מן הנעלבים, מן העולבים ולא מן הנעלבים ולא מן העולבים. That's what the Gemara says. Be offended, but don't offend somebody. Much better. Why is it so special to be offended? Why is it such a special degree? The Gemara says, the Talmud says, it's the highest level. If you want, you can uh, remove all your sins. All your sins that you do. If somebody embarrasses you and you keep quiet. It's a very powerful tool for prayer. It's one of the most powerful times ever. So if somebody hurts you so badly, how, how is it that we can... Uh, why, why is it like I'm like Hashem? Why is it that I'm like Hashem? If someone hurts me, you want to know? Because Hashem gets offended all the time. He's one, one of the names for Hashem is Hunelav. He's offended. Do you know why? Because we do wrong things all the time. And you know what He does? He lets us live. He lets us continue. How many times do I do wrong? I'm a human and I do wrong all the time. He's erech He's slow to be angry. Every time I do something wrong, what does he do? He waits. He says, maybe he'll do teshuva. God is one of, the, one of the things when we read the Yud Gimel Midot of Hashem, the 13 attributes of God, is to recognize that God is an offended God. He's an offended... He, we constantly hurt his... I said I'm not going to do it again, then I did it again. And I said to my parents, I'm going to respect you, then I don't. Then I, it doesn't end, right? So we as ourselves are constantly offending Hashem. And what does he do? He says, wait, I'll give you another Yom Kippur. I'll give you another Rosh Hashanah. You can always pray. Every day we say, Every day we say, please Hashem, forgive me for tshuva, for what I did. How many times can I say sorry? Every day he lets us say sorry. Can you imagine? And he forgives us. If he didn't forgive us, we wouldn't be here. Din means that immediately when you do something wrong, you should be getting the din, the judgment. But for some reason, Hashem is so kind. He gives us a lot of time. He's erech Such a powerful thing. So what we need to understand is that when we are forgiving, we are being like Hashem. It's a very powerful thing. So let me tell you uh, what Yosef HaTzadik said and then maybe some more stories. By the way, similar idea. Rabbi Kiva Eger, one time he was on his, Rabbi Kiva Eger lived in the 19th century. He was on his uh, Shabbat table. This is amazing. This, this is exactly what I'm talking about. He was on his Shabbat table and um, a guest came. Now, you go to Rabbi Kiva Eger's house, it's a big rabbi. He, he's big stuff. You don't mess around, right? You, you're, you're nervous. You're excited. It's, it's a big deal to get in there. Finally, he gets, he gets to sit in the rabbi's house. And uh, as he's sitting, he's nervous, kiddush, boom, he knocks the whole cup, his whole cup of, of wine, gets knocked all over the table, spills a brand new gorgeous table in the rabbi's house. The guy went bright red, embarrassed. What does Rabbi Kivega do? Kicks the table leg, boom, his, his cup, everyone's cup goes flying. He says, there must be this, something wrong with this table. There's something wrong with this table. Immediately changed the atmosphere, everyone's smiling. There must be something wrong with the table. There's wine all over the place. So what do, we, what do we see? We see not only are the great people, people that don't, the, the people that forgive, of course they forgive. They don't even feel it. They help the other person. That's another whole level. Where I don't even feel like he offended me. I'm here to even help you succeed. I'll channel your mistake. You know, jujitsu. What's jujitsu? You know what jujitsu is? It's, it's one of my favorite if there's, I don't like fighting at all, but it's of all the fighting, right, I see enough of it at home, but of the fighting uh, uh, with my kids. So of the fighting, you know, that there is in jiu-jitsu, 
one of the things that's very interesting is it's not about, I once had a, we used to live in Oregon doing Kiro outreach over there. And there was in our house, uh, we used to have different guests. One of them was a master in jujitsu. He used to come to our house, big guy. And he was explaining to me, I was so fascinated. It's literally, you're not fighting anybody. You're literally just using his, someone punches you, you use his energy and turn it against him. Again, he kicks you, you pull his energy and you turn it against him. You know, that's, that's a beautiful idea in terms of not fighting, but in spirituality is if something comes towards you, a negative energy, boom, like move out of the way, turn it the other way into a powerful good thing. Rev Grossman, Rev Grossman used to, big, big tzaddik, he's, he lives in Migdalemic, has thousands of students, right? Have you ever heard of Rev Grossman? Oh, you have to watch a video of Rav Yitzchak David Grossman. We, whenever we go to Israel, we take people to a trip and we take them to see Rav Yitzchak David Grossman, telling you it's going gonna, it's gonna to change your life. Watch him. He's a chassid. He has 6,000 orphans under his name living in Israel. He lives till today. 6,000 orphans from around the world under his name. He looks after them. He looks like an angel. Long white beard. He looks like a melech. So he, Rav Grossman, his way of dealing with things, he have lots of people. I remember I was bit, we went to his, his house. We took took a bunch of our students and uh, every year by the way he has in his you have to it's amazing you have to watch some of his video the videos that they made about him he has a special kala home where kalot of his every year he marries off hundreds of his own kids every year they come in and there's a lady that works there full time and she gives everyone a, all the girls they get a dress it's his daughter it's his child he's there Literally, it's their children. He's in and out of weddings all the time from his own 6,000 kids. That he, it's, it's insane. So, Rabbi Yitzchak David Grossman, uh, his way of dealing with things, he used to get people that were very rude. You know, he, popular rabbi, everyone comes to the house. He had people, when someone's rude, oh, oh, ah, I like it, I like it. Yeah, he's constantly, he's just like, oh, 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 oh. Channel the energy, everyone's watching. To, to be able to take that energy and channel it round, and it's like a positive, there's nothing like it. So that's, that's what we call uh, the power of forgiveness, is being able not only to forgive, it's, be, it's, it's being able to say, wait a second, I can turn this energy the other way around. I can empower the person, like, like Henny Machlis did. There's so many stories, like, like Rabbi, Rabbi Kivega. There's another story of Avadi Yosef. Avadi Yosef was in Egypt in 1947. 1948 was the, when the state of Israel came to be. So the state of Israel always was, right? Don't let them fool you. But uh, the state of Israel came to be in 1948. 1947, Rabbi Avadi Yosef was in Egypt. He was there for quite a few years until eventually, I think it's 1950, where he moved back to Israel. And one of the reasons, first it wasn't safe after 1948, it became very unsafe, but also the community was fighting with him a lot. He was a very holy man. He wrote many chuvot, many answers to many questions, but the community weren't listening. There were hospitals, Jewish hospitals, that was, was, as a Jewish hospital, you should expect it to feed kosher food to the people that are sick. Everyone gets sick. You go to a hospital, you think that the food is kosher, if it's Jewish, and they were serving non-kosher food, so that would bother him very much until he tried every single way for a whole year. He was trying all different ways to make the food kosher. Please, he said, I'll bring my, I'll pay the mashkiach. I'll bring it, please. And they just wouldn't 
listen to him. The community council wouldn't listen to him. And uh, there were stories that eventually he, I won't go too long into the story, but basically um, there was other things as well. The shechita, the slaughtering, the kosher meat wasn't really serious. It was all a scam and there was a lot of uh, you know, money involved and obviously it bothered, it, that bothered him too. And he started trying to fight with that as well. And they wouldn't listen. And he was a very popular rabbi, you know, in, in the main central synagogue in, in Egypt, uh, in Cairo. He, when he would speak on, on um, Shabbat HaGadol, he'd have 500 people. 500 people listening. I mean, he's a very special, biggest rabbi uh, of our past generation. There's no question about it. He passed away in 2013. Abu Yosef. So when he was there in Egypt, he, um, he kept fighting. And eventually he said, listen, I'm going to resign. I'm leaving. You're not listening to me. I can't be in a place like this, which is not keeping to the laws of Torah and um, pretending to be, but then also de deceiving the people. People are going to the hospital and getting non-kosher food, thinking it's kosher. I'm leaving. So there was an outcry, please don't. And eventually he says, I'm giving a month. He sees that they're still not listening back and forth. I'll give you a month. In a month from now, I'm leaving. He had to... I, he had to literally escape the place. It was very, very difficult for him to leave. But um, eventually he left. But the, the last Shabbat was just before Shabbat HaGadol. And the community council, to, in order to annoy him, the whole community comes to listen to the big rabbi, Rabbi Vadi Yosef. And in order to annoy him, they already hired a new rabbi. They paid him. They took the wage that they're giving to Rabbi Vadia to this new rabbi who was a student of Rabbi Vadi Yosef, who didn't know much. He was just a young guy, student. And they hired him as the rabbi. And he was, and they made him silently come, and they said, you speak on the Shabbat Tagadol. So Rabbi Vadi Yosef walks in on the big Shabbat, hundreds of people, and if, without telling him anything, in front of him he sees, they ask for this young rabbi, who's his own student, to stand up and speak. So of course Rabbi Vadi was uh, hurt by this. And... Um, you know, he moved on, he left, he went to Israel. But a few years later, that young rabbi also left Egypt. The community in Egypt basically finished. Uh, that young rabbi also uh, moved to Israel and he wrote a sefer, a small sefer. And he comes to Rabbi Vadi and he says to him, Rabbi Vadi, please, you know me, you, I'm, you're my rav. Please, can you give me a recommendation of this book? And without a blink of an eye, Rabbi Vadi said, of course, and wrote him a recommendation. This man is a, a, a man of Yerat Shamaim, a man of God-fearing Jew. I only wish him the best. And that's like a real recommendation. Nothing. Can you imagine the embarrassment? 500 people, they asked the Rav to come. And all of a sudden, this young guy, his own student is standing there. It's no bad feelings towards him. Completely. He comes. Can you give me a recommendation? Of course. Gives him a recommendation. It's, it's amazing. You know, Rabbi Vadi Yosef also was put at gunpoint when he was in Egypt. There was one of his, uh, one of the people that worked there was, his name was Shimon or whatever it is. Uh, that's what they say in the book. And um, he was also, he was the one that was involved with non-kosher shechita, non-kosher meat. And Rabbi Vadi heard about it, that he was the guy behind the whole thing, throwing in non-kosher meat and giving it a kosher sign. He says, no, 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 we're going to make you... Uh, uh, in, uh, um, incapable of looking after the meat and you have to leave and he had a bed din and 
Rabbi said, officially, you know, this person's meat is not kosher, which basically destroyed his business. And he went mad with Rabbi Vadya. He thought, he, instead of him, Rabbi Vadya put another Rav, Rav Mazuz, another, another Rav, I think it was Rav, something, maybe Rav, no, Maimon Elbaz, someone else. Um, he put someone else who's a Yirat Shemaim, a good-fearing Jew, God-fearing Jew instead. And what happened was that this man tried to kill, he hired Arabs to try and kill Rabbi Vadya. And they messed up. Instead of hitting Abu Vadya, they thought his new person that he hired to do the slaughtering, they thought that was the Abu Vadya. They got mixed up and they threw on him when he was leaving synagogue uh, a whole bucket of acid. And uh, Baruch Hashem, he was fine because as he was moving forward, someone called, uh, called his name. Until today, he doesn't know who called his name. Someone called his name, he turned around, so it only went on the sides of him. And it burnt just apart, but he was okay. And another time, Rabbi Vadya was actually by this guy. He came to Rabbi Vadya and he put him at gunpoint, both in Egypt and in Israel. When he was in Egypt, he put him at gunpoint. And Rabbi Vadya says, you can kill me. And the Torah is not going to change if you kill me. It's not going to change the Torah. Like, this is the rules. Like, you can kill me, whatever you want. But completely calm. Also in Israel, a few years later, when he moved to Israel, again, this guy, Shimon, also moved to Israel. Everyone moved from Egypt to Israel eventually. So he also, this Shimon, eventually moved to Israel and also one day walks into the house of Rabbi Vadya. His kid was outside playing. He says, where's your father? He says, he's inside. He walks straight in. His wife, the wife of Rabbi Vadya, sees this man. She screams. She holds the door closed. He manages to push it open and again um, puts Rabbi Vadya at gunpoint. And this time, Rabbi Vadya's Chavruta, uh, Rabbi Fatal, I think it's his father-in-law, uh, comes and says, please don't kill this man. He is the future of our people. Please don't kill me. He's got children also, please. And eventually he, he, was, uh, he just put it away and ran off, didn't do anything. And a few years later, his son says that he, uh, he finds out that this Shimon uh, was killed in a, battle, in a fight or a gang fight that he was involved with. And eventually this Shimon was killed. And when Rabbi Vadya hears, nothing. Nothing. Not, not, not Baruch Hashem. Nothing. He was just quiet. Nothing. That's the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is one level. The other level is what they call reconciliation. Where you actually feel like, I completely, I'm okay with this person. And another level on top of that, beyond it, is I don't even feel anything in the first place. That's the highest level. So how do you get to such a level of forgiveness? What's the key? And the answer is Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik went through hell over hell over hell. He went through the worst. And what does he do when his brothers come? He says, Ani Yosef, they start crying. And then he comforts them. What's the language? He says, Ve'ata, al don't be sad. Don't be angry in your own eyes against yourself, he's telling them. Listen to the language of comfort. Don't be angry in your eyes. Don't be upset with yourself. Because you sold me here. Hashem sent you here, sent me here because it's to keep the world alive. It was a mission. All of that selling and taking me to Egypt and all is to keep the whole world alive because there was a famine. 
You hear the language? Elohim, he says. Hashem sent me. Two years already there's been this rav in the land. Can you imagine? Hashem sent me here before you. To help us keep the whole land alive. So we can all, everyone can escape and survive. You didn't, you didn't send me here. That's a whole new level. You didn't even send me here. Elohim. It was Hashem. He made me the father of Pharaoh. And he made me a master in all his home and a ruler in all his lands. What a language. Go back to our father and tell him. What a language of forgiveness. He comforts them also and says, no, it's all Hashem. That's the answer. You want to know the answer, how you forgive? It's Hashem. It's not him that's hitting me. Someone's hitting me, it's not him. Do you know who's hitting me? It's Hashem. It's not him. Ah, he, why him? That's his own problem. Yeah, he'll get, he'll get punished for it. Who's hitting me? Yeah, that person. But it's Hashem. That's called emunah. Emunah, emunah, emunah. It's somebody who's able to see that everything that happens in my life is not from me. By the way, you know, the word for mechila also has in it machala, sickness. Why? If I'm not able to be mochel, I'm sick. I get sick from it. It eats my inners. It eats my heart. It eats my inside. I can't forgive. Forgiveness is the same word as machala, without the yud. Yud also represents Hashem, right? Bringing God into your life. But without the yud, you've got machala. Without Hashem, what have you got? You get sick. That's what it is. Without mechila, how do you have mechila? How does somebody have such pain from his own brothers trying to kill him? Years in prison, sent to his whole youth. Can you imagine his young age where he was beautiful and young, all spent in some foreign land? Can you imagine? And he was, he was okay. Hashem sent me here. It's not you. And he's comforting them. It comes from the power of seeing Hashem. How do you see Hashem? That's the question. What do you need to do? So this is the final thing. What do you need to do to see God in everything you do in life? How do you come to that? And the answer is, be like Yosef. What's Yosef? He sees, he looks at all the events in his life. That's what Yosef did. If you notice, the whole story of Yosef Atzadik is a series of events. First, he, his father says, go to your brothers. So he says, Hineni, I'm here. He listened. Can you imagine? He could have said, wait, I listened to my father. I did the right thing and Hashem made me, brothers hate me and tried to kill me. I did the right thing. Why is this happening to me? Do you, do you hear what's going on? Hineni, that Hineni, that word where he said, Hineni, here I am, my father. That's what took him to Egypt. And that's what saved the whole Jewish people and eventually built the Jewish people because he said, yes, my father. That's what the Mephashim explained. And then he gets thrown into the pit. He says, wait a second. They didn't kill me, but they sent me to a place of snakes and scorpions. They're not killing me. These th wow, Hashem's with me. Then he moves to the next stage. He notices that he's in a cart which is, uh, uh, which is selling spices. And he's like, wait a second, Hashem's with me. Normally they sell, they say, sell oil. It smells good today. I need to go to Egypt, yeah, but Hashem's with me all the way. It's true, my, 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 my plan that Hashem has for me is there. 
But look how my plan is working. Perfect. Hashem knew exactly where I need to be. And He sent me in the right way. Nothing more, nothing less. I get to Egypt. What happens? I go into Potiphar's house. Why Potiphar? Why? You know why? Because he smelled good. And he looked good. And a very important person, Potiphar, hired him. And he was there because there was the wife of Potiphar who was going to chase him. That eventually led him to prison. If he didn't have the wife of Potiphar, he would just be a slave for the rest of his life. He needed the wife of Potiphar to get him into prison. Then the dreams. Then, you see, it's connecting the dots. Every single person, Hashem works in a way, Hashem hides himself. You don't see him. But you do see him in Hashkachah Patit. You will see Hashem everywhere you go if you look for the little nekudot, the dots. Why is Hashem doing this? Oh, I know that right now I can't see it because I'm not in past, present and future. But in the future, I will see it. And he was the first person in the Torah that caught everything. That's what Paolo says. There's no one like him who has the words of Hashem in his mouth all the time. He says, can you interpret dreams? He says, no, I can't. Hashem does it. He says, can you? No, it's Hashem. Everything is Hashem. He was the ultimate Baruch Hashem dude. Right? He was, everything is Hashem. So that is really the aim of Emunah. Emunah is what's going to help us forgive everyone in the right way. It's to know that it's not that person. Why did that person do it? He's... We have a rule that the one that does bad is because he needs to, to get that punishment. It's like we ask with the Egyptians. Why were the Egyptians punished for sending us, for uh, giving us slavery? That's what Hashem wanted. It's not, Hashem, it's not the Egyptians. That's what Hashem, yeah, but it didn't have to be through them. It didn't have to be so difficult. It's true Hashem wanted us to go to Mitzrayim, but they didn't have to be so cruel. That's where they were wrong. Right? But at the end of the day, the reason why Hashem made the Mitzrayim because they were already bad within themselves for the first place. Hashem made it that they were the ones that are going to be the ones that are doing more bad. That's God's cheshbon. That's God's uh, uh, way of thinking. My way of thinking should be, this is happening to me because Hashem wants it for me. And He wants it for me because eventually I'm going to be doing this, this, this and this. Yeah. It's a good question. And I, I mentioned at the beginning that forgiveness is not necessary if the person has not asked you for forgiveness. So in a case where they keep doing the same wrong thing, which is, by the way, what Yosef was trying to do with his brothers as well. He was trying to see if they're still cruel and they're going to still do the same thing as they did to him with Binyamin, for the same brother, from the same mother, to see if they're going to be doing the same thing to him. And they saw that they weren't. That's when he said, Ani Yosef, do, you, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Yes, you should forgive, but only if that person asks you for forgiveness. You're not required to forgive if that person doesn't ask you. If the person doesn't ask you, we learned, and you still forgive, you're a chassid, you're very special, but you're not required to. You're not meant to. Right? I mean, not meant to. You, it's a good thing to do it, but you're not required to. Does that make sense? Yes. So, you know, somebody's abusive. I don't think you need to forgive them. Actually, you need to make sure they, they do tshuva. Rambam says, don't forgive. Ask them. Tell them, why are you doing this? 
Why did you abuse? Actually, that's part of the way of, of healing, is to go and face the reality and say, what, I, I, I'm sorry, but why did you do this? Rebuke them. Eventually, if they say sorry, then you forgive. But you want to make sure that this world is a better place. And you're not meant to forgive if the person's very evil, abusive. I don't believe that that's something that should be a case where you do forgive. I, I don't think so. He calls it chasidut. If you do forgive, even if he doesn't ask. In a case where there's a real abusive situation, uh, I think that the mitzvah is say, excuse me. By the way, it's one of the most powerful things. If some, someone's annoying you, what do we normally do? We keep quiet. What we learn here is, I, it's really bothering me. I, I'm telling you, it's the, most, it's the best tool. You go to somebody, you say, you know, it's really bothering me. Can you understand? It, it really hurts my feelings. That, that just hurt my feelings. The person's like, no way, so sorry. Yeah, you can do that. I think that's a good thing to do. Just be very open. If something's in your way, say it. That's really bothering me. That's You're saying it in a way which is nice, but also not making it heavy on the person where he feels like he's embarrassing me. It's a good way of rebuking. Sometimes we keep quiet. They're making jokes about us and we just let it be. And you just let it be. At some point, it's better just to say, avoid all the future arguments. Just straight up say, that's really hurting my feelings. And, and the person normally is like, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize, really, I'm so sorry, it's only a joke, whatever, but, yeah. Very good. So. Yes, that's exactly the rule. It's true that we're meant to rebuke, but yes, also there's also a klal. Well, rabbis teach us that as much as you have a mitzvah to say a rebuke that will be heard, you have a mitzvah not to say a rebuke that will not be heard. So if you know that the person will not listen, it's better just to turn away and just ignore. It's a mitzvah not to say a rebuke as much as it is a mitzvah to, use, to say a rebuke if it won't be heard. And that's, that's really the answer to your question. So, um, but it's good. It's, uh, it's important to know that we can, you know, we can and, and it should say at times, I'm, this, this really hurt my feelings and um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, any other questions, thoughts, ideas? Okay, so... Uh, Basically, we're done, but it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure.